You're now tuned in to VC Cheat Sheet, the podcast that gives entrepreneurs straight to the point information and behind the scenes access on raising money. Brought to you by the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship and Economic Development at Rutgers University. You're listening to VC Cheat Sheet and I'm your host, Melissa S. Jackson. If this is your first time listening, then thank you for tuning in. And if not, thanks for coming back. The goal of the podcast is to help Black and Latino-led startups gain insight into the world of venture and private capital through mentorship and advice. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Q, that's T-H-E-C-U-E-E-D. All the links are provided in the show notes at bccheatsheet.com. Now let's get into the show. Cheat Sheet was created to give you the inside scoop on venture capital. But before we get too heavy, I wanted to explore just what venture capital was and what you need to know before you start raising. So I sat down with Philip Kennard, CEO and founder of Futurestay, to talk through how to prepare before raising your first round. Futurestay puts vacation rentals on autopilot, and Philip has been able to attract just shy of $2 million in venture capital to date for his startup. And since he knows a thing or two about raising capital, Philip gave me a checklist of do's, don'ts, and tips he wished someone would have given him. He calls it Proof Helps. So listen in. So Philip, tell me a little bit about your company, Futurestay. So Futurestay is dedicated to building the self-renting vacation home. We believe that we can actually automate the entire process of renting out homes on websites like Airbnb, Booking.com, and Expedia.com. And we're dedicated to connecting all the technology and creating the artificial intelligence around that to make that happen. Okay, and what's your role? I'm the CEO and I'm a co-founder of the company. Perfect, perfect. So we invited you in today to talk a little bit about what to do before you start raising capital, before you approach a VC, before you start asking. Mm -hmm. Um, Because to date, how much have you raised? To date, we've raised just shy of $2 million. Wow, excellent. And that's in the past, Two and a half years. Okay, so in two and a half years, you were able to raise two million. Now, where did that two million come from? Did it solely come from VC? Did it come from other sources? So it was a combination of angel and also early stage VCs. The way I like to say it is that two and a half years ago today, Future Stay was myself and my co-founder John Fabio sitting in my spare bedroom, hmm. and now we are almost twenty, a team of almost twenty people worldwide, and with our product being used in one hundred and twenty countries. 55,000 plus rentals in our system mm-hmm. and uh, and generating revenue partnered with uh, industry leading companies like Booking.com, HomeAway, VRBO, mm-hmm. and the like. So yeah, it was a combination of, um, we didn't do a friends and family round. What we did was we we started out on the, the kind of pitching circuit. Right. Everyone's familiar with like the meetups and all that good right, stuff. Right, right. So we started out there and got a ton of feedback, which I'm sure we'll talk in detail about that later on. Mm-hmm. And then figured out that there was really a lot that was gonna to have to happen, right. and we had to get very serious about growing our company before we could raise any capital at all. Otherwise, we wouldn't. We would have ended up in a situation where we probably would have ended up wasting all the capital we would have raised in the first place mm-hmm. and not growing the company. Um, so we went to a small angel round in 2014, mm-hmm. and then we raised a larger seed round of one point, almost 1.4 million in 2016. So on a scale from zero to 10, how, how difficult would you say it was for you, being a founder of color, right. 
um, to raise $2 million in two years. I'm going to be completely honest. Raising capital is very easy if you are ready to raise capital. Mm. And it is impossible if you are not ready to raise capital. That's my opinion about it. Okay. I mean, there are all certain, there's timings, there's wrong place, wrong time. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's being in the wrong, maybe industry, being in an industry that's out of favor at that moment. Right. Um, but if you have all of your check boxes dotted, I think you, I think you'll, you'll be able to raise. So I heard you have a checklist. I do. <laughs> I do. So let, let's go through that because, you know, we get a lot of, the conversation has really circled around this idea that less than 1% of, uh, comp- founders of color actually receive capital. And that right. number is even worse. Um, I don't even think it hits like a 0.0, I think it's 0.06% wow. for women of color. Wow. Um, and so to hear you talk about raising $2 million, I'm like, you've got some secret sauce. And I know people can't necessarily see you, but you know, you're a brother. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you look just yeah. like, you know, me and probably a lot of people. People call me Denzel personally. A little Denzelish. Like a little Denzelish. <laughs> not really, not really. So, you know, where where should we, so you talked about having a checklist and you know, so, having so that. So let's, before you even get into the concept of checklist, yeah. let's just take a step back and say that raising capital, mm-hmm. when I say that it's easy if you're prepared, it's hard to get prepared. That's, okay. I'm not trying to say that the second you, you know, you, you put a little legwork into your business, you can go out and raise a million dollars in day one. Mm-hmm. And I was in a position where I thought that it'd be easier than it was when I first started. Mm. I mean, I pitched a number of times, we're talking about probably 10, 20, 30 times, I'm not sure the exact number, more than that, more than 10 or 20, probably around 30 times at a minimum with my partner, and we're talking about driving up and down the East Coast, Uh staying in the Holiday Inn Express, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just going to the little angel shows. We did the whole road show. It wasn't like you just do it overnight and all of a sudden everything works. But part of putting that effort in is part of making it work. It's never going to happen on the first try. So how much was that lead time? Because the last two years you've raised $2 million, but what was the lead time to that two years? Exactly. So before that two years, we probably were on the road for a good, at a minimum, at a minimum six months, more likely. And and when I say six months, I don't mean six months from the time that we started until we got a check in the bank. I mean six six months from the time that we started until we got our first, hmm, yes, I think this is something I'm interested in investing in. So okay. we went we went through six months plus, maybe eight months of, yeah, sorry, kid, not interested. Yeah. Like, just straight hard notes. And that's still pretty, yeah. pretty, uh, a quick turnaround, considering there are people who've been working on their ideas for years. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. Mm-hmm. It was definitely not, it wasn't overnight. Right. Um, but it was something that we were able to build towards. And one of the right. reasons why we were able to build towards is because the benefits of going to those kind of meetups and those pitch practices and all those those sorts of things is that if you go there and you're really ready for constructive criticism and feedback, mm. people will give it to you. You have to put yourself in a situation. Being coachable. Co- yeah, you have to be coachable. Right. You have to, especially in those really, really early stages where, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I came from a position where I was already a businessman. I already owned a business that had some degree of success in the technology space. It was not a startup as we like to think of things, okay. but it was a software consulting company that had major clients like Columbia University, Rutgers University, um, Brookfield Properties, one of the largest property developers in the world. Mm-hmm. So we, I already had some degree of track record and success under my belt, which made it easier. Okay. Right. Because uh, you, you have like a technical background as well. Or, or yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm a software developer by trade. I started it. programming when I was seven years old. Um, oh. 
because I loved video games and I like creating stuff. So I was okay. always into that. Okay. So that made it easier for me, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone has certain things in their background that are that are pros and they have things in their background that are cons or, or more likely things that are missing missing checks that they're gonna have to check off on their own. Right. So if I were not a software developer, I would have had to get into a position where I could have convinced a software developer to join my team before pitching. Otherwise, that would have been a position where there's a strike against me when I pitch. Right. And I might have attributed it to any characteristic. I could attribute it to, well, maybe I'm too young. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe I'm too black. Maybe I'm too this, that, whatever the case is. But in reality, it's just it's a check that would have put the, a missing check that would have put anyone at a disadvantage when they're raising capital. Yeah, and I think that's a conundrum for the black and Latino uh, founder pool because a lot of us don't have technical founders. So how do you kind of talk someone into well being your technical co-founder? Because so, you had those skill sets. Yeah. So the first step is, and I've been a, I've been a technical co-founder before. Mm -hmm. um, I've been the technical co-founder on a number of startups before I started my own startup. Mm -hmm. um, Step one is, it's really simple. Step one is realize, it's kind of like they say, realize there's a problem. Step one is realize that you really need a technical co-founder. That if you don't have a technical co-founder, you're putting your business, not just at a significant disadvantage for raising capital, mm -hmm. but you're, you're putting your business at a significant disadvantage against other businesses that have technical co-founders. Because you do not, if it's a technical business, mm -hmm. if it's either a, a tech business or tech-enabled business, mm -hmm. More so if it's tech business, but even if it's tech enabled, you're putting yourself at a risk of operating fl literally flying blind. Right. And you think you know what's coming down the pipeline. You think you know what's required in order to build out X and Y and Z. But really, you're just listening to people that are trying to sell you something. Mm -hmm. Every dev shop that you talk to, every developer that's going to com com come on as a contract and build something for you, they're selling you something. You need someone that is going to be building the, the lifeblood, the, the foundation of whatever your business is operating on mm -hmm. that believes in your vision. So you have to understand that before you go pitch because, the and this is a part of the checklist, one of the first things that, that, that I think an investor looks for is, has this founder been able to convince other people to part with whatever their resources are, hmm. right? Time, money, it doesn't have to be money, it can be someone where they're literally, they're just saying, I'm going to now devote 10 hours a week to working on this startup. I'm, devote, I'm investing my time in you. Right. Right. So that's, you're showing leadership. If you come to an investor and you already have a team of three people, even though you haven't written a single check. And that you're a salesperson as well, that you can make a sale. Right. right. That's, that's part of that hustle. To sell someone on working without a paycheck? Huge. It's, it's huge. big. Okay. Right. So that's a big check. Right. Right. Even if you guys haven't developed the product, mm -hmm. but you have people that have signed paperwork and they're, and they're putting in that time in even if it hasn't launched yet. Okay. That's a huge check in your column. Okay. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, so back to that. Yeah. How do I find a technical co-founder? Right, I mean, right. like, where do I go? And I know it sounds simple, but it's, it's like, not. that is the, the biggest thing. So um, you, you start again by, by val by understanding you really need one and valuing one. And when you really value, the role of technology mm -hmm. in your business. It, if you have a vision mm -hmm. and you're really passionate about it and you've done your research and your legwork and you really understand the opportunity okay. so that you can share it with someone and they will get excited about it, mm -hmm. then you'll be ready to get a technical co-founder because they'll see the opportunity too. You Are also there... have to be you have to be flexible and a little bit generous, right? You yeah, can't bring yeah. it. It's difficult. Sometimes you'll see people, and this goes back to being ready or not being ready, if you go pitch a technical co-founder and you say, yeah, I'm going to do X and Y and Z, the company's going to grow like this. Yeah, by the way, you, you can have 5% equity vested over 10 years. Mm -hmm. 
you're not showing that you value the technology. Mm, right. Okay. So sometimes you see you see a lot of that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we've done that. What are some other things that I need to do to make sure when I get in front of a VC, right. I'm prepared, I'm straight? Well, so I'll, I'll take you through the concept of the pre-raise checklist that I put together. Okay. Hopefully you find it helpful. Um, what I like to say is proof helps when raising capital and helps H-E-L-P-S as an acronym for hustle, evidence, leadership, plan, and skills. Right, so we can post this on your website or on your newsletter so we can we, share we all sure the details will. with everyone. Right. But basically, it's, it's, a, it's a set of five statements. But proof helps. Proof helps, okay. right? And the helps are, H is hustle. Hustle is I've invested resources, my own resources into my business. It can be my own time, it can be my own money. But whatever it is, I've invested in it. So before I okay. ask you to invest in it as an investor, I'm gonna show you that I have invested in it. Okay. Right? So, why would you trust that you're going to invest in something of mine if I'm not going to invest in it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That just doesn't sound. Is reliable. there like a minimum amount that an investor would like to see, or is it just? It's it's whatever you have available, right? If I'm working two jobs and I only have a couple hours a week, mm-hmm. then it's my couple hours. Right. Whatever the case is, whatever my free quote unquote free is, I'm putting that towards my business. That shows my hustle for it. That's how passionate I am about it. Got it. Got it. The, All right. So, so e, e is evidence, right? Mm-hmm. Evidence is validating that people out there actually want your service. They want your product, whatever it is, right? You, you hear all the time, someone will say, well, I know that it's gonna be successful because X and Y and Z company did it, but mine is gonna be better than theirs. That is not evidence that your business is gonna be successful. What evidence is, is either you have literally gone and talked to customers, potential customers, and said, do you want this service? Uh-huh. It can be as simple as interviewing 10 people that you find on Craigslist. It can be... But that's key. Like, people that you find outside of your network. Outside of your network, there's a lot of, of people. Yeah. It's like, you can't ask grandma. You can't ask... Grandma wants it. You know, right, right, <laughs> Your mama right. wants it. And your that, buddy that's wants key. it. Yeah. Okay. So interviewing, or even, even better than that, is you've actually gone and either built an MVP, a minimum viable product yourself, mm-hmm. or if you don't have the capacity to put that MVP together because of whatever structure it is, right. you've, you've manually offered that service, right? So maybe it's a service where you're doing... I don't know, you're doing uh, you know, dog kennel rentals or something like that mm-hmm. so people can have their dogs stay with you during the day, stay somewhere during the weekend. Are you manually taking those dogs to your house and right. you just put an ad up and said, hey, I'll take care of your dogs during the weekend. Yes, okay, I found out that there are people in this area that actually want this. I don't need to go build an app to prove that people Showing want Showing that there's an actual business model, right? Yeah, because yeah. you could do it without that. And that's really key for those tech-enabled businesses Definitely. that you talked about, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. that's just getting that evidence, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just relying on the fact that some other guy built an app and mine's gonna be better because, you know, I have two or three features that I ideas for, right. right? Which you see a lot of that, unfortunately, but the, getting that evidence is not hard to do. Do you think everyone needs an app? Because I feel like there's no. a lot of people who say, well, I have an app, so I had a, I had a, a Company said I had a, an app for people to manage their finances. I'm like, oh, like Mint. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like, like it's Mint, but it's better. But it's better. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you know, there there are other ways to kind of show proof of concept. I mean, can you talk about other ways besides actually going and investing money and in producing an app? Yeah. The number one way, and this is a little bit so in, in the the search engine optimization way uh, world, we used to say black hat versus white hat, okay. right? So the white hat was doing everything above board and doing it the, the way that Google want, excuse me, wanted you to when you're doing search engine optimization. Mm-hmm. 
Black Hat was doing what, by any means necessary, just making it work. Mm -hmm. And it was oftentimes much more effective, mm -hmm. right? So people talk about like hacking and things like that as being Black Hat. Mm -hmm. Specifically with, with proving out your business concept, with getting evidence for your business, the most effective way to do it is a Black Hat way, which is go through all the steps as if you were selling something, except in reality, there's nothing there. So for example, let's say I want to sell you know, coffee tables online. Okay. I have an idea for a specific type of coffee table. Mock up the pictures of the coffee tables, go to Shopify or Wix or at Weebly and set up a website or WordPress and set up a website. Put the coffee tables there, put the pricing there that you want to sell them for. When someone clicks buy now, oh, I'm sorry, we're out of stock. Right, so you've literally gone through all of the legwork to figure out what whether or not your coffee tables will be successful. You can even take 200 bucks or whatever you have access to and run Facebook ads to that or Google ads to that. Okay, create can, a use case. You create, yeah, you're creating a complete use case except you're just stopping it and then you're honestly telling the customer, sorry, we don't have that item. You're not gonna go through the, you know, you don't wanna really frustrate them, but, <laughs> right. but you can go through, yeah, <laughs> you know, but you can go through almost the entire process right. and really get to the point where you're selling something and just you simply have not created the all of the uh, the mechanism for delivering that. That's an incredibly effective way to do an MVP for anything. That's probably the best way to do an MVP for anything. Same thing for an app. If you want to talk about an app, you could literally go to there. There are plenty of agencies that will do um, very very simple kind of one page brochureware apps, which are basically an app that just has information that doesn't actually do anything. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. You can get a brochureware app created for your idea. Mm -hmm run a Facebook campaign to it and see what your downloads look like. Mm. Obviously, it's going to get pretty bad reviews, so you're not going to want to name it what your company's named after. Right, right. You know, but on Android, you can do something like this, get it approved within a relatively short period of time, and you can determine, wow, you know what? It cost me on average 30 cents to get a download or a dollar to get a download. And there were a sizable number of people that actually were interested in this. Yeah, what about the idea of creating community? So this idea of saying, People who really love coffee tables, can we create a landing page to say, hey, really love coffee tables, love yeah. coffee? Yeah, that's an excellent idea, um, not just for creating a minimum viable product, but also creating a, a community of people that are gonna be interested in potential customers in the future. Mm -hmm. If you create a community around whatever it is that you're passionate about, that's one of the best ways to sell anything. Okay. Yeah, and you All can right. do that again. These are things you can do without expending a lot of resources beforehand. So this goes back to your uh, to, to the concept of what can you prove before you actually start expending resources. Right, 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 yeah. right. Okay, so I've got the buy-in down, right? right? So I've got a technical co-founder. We're good. Uh, we've produced an MVP right. product. Right. Okay. So what's next? So what's next is so going back to the technical technical co-founder. The L stands for leadership, which is as we discussed before. Okay making sure that you yourself are a strong enough leader that you're able to convince people at this point in time before you've really done a whole lot right. to join your team. Is the vision strong? Mm -hmm. Is the leader strong? Are you able to build that support and get people to work with you, especially in hard times? It's easy to be a good leader when you just raise $2 million and, everyone, and there's a press release coming out about you every week. It's hard to be a good leader when you have a, what you think is a good idea, no one knows who you are, and you're attending meetups to try to get people to join your team. Yeah. That's, it's all, any company that grows will always have those hard times. So a VC or an angel investor is gonna wanna see, can this person be a good leader before they have resources? Mm -hmm. That's gonna be super important to them. So what are some tools or what are some tips on good leadership practices? 
Well, I think the, the strongest tip for being a good leader is, is this is really simple. What would your team say about you? Be empathetic, <laughs> care about people. Okay. And, and you know, the way my leadership style is that I try to be very, very genuine and very generous. Mm -hmm. So it's bring people in, make them feel like a family, and try to make sure that you're building your vision and your mission together. Yeah. So those are things that anyone can do. If you sit down and we're talking about finding a technical co-founder or sales co-founder or whatever sort of co-founder, mm -hmm. And you're barking orders at people and you're saying, hey, you know, I, my idea is so good that I think you only deserve 2% of it. That's going to, you're going to be in a position where it's going to be very hard for you to build a team. Yeah. If you're talking to people and saying, hey, here's what I have so far. I would love to hear your feedback on what we can do to make this better. You've already vested this person in the idea before they even come on board. Right. Yeah. So that's, I think those are some kind of best practices at the beginning when you're just starting to have something to lead. Yeah. 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 And I think that even goes back to the buying you talked about, right? Like, you've got to be a strong, like, hey, this is why I'm in love with this product. This is why these coffee tables matter. Right. Get right. this money. Okay. Definitely, definitely. Okay, great. So, leadership. So, what's next? So, the next in helps is P, which is plan. And plan is, this is really, really simple. And, and this is something that, that I even struggled with. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with this. When I have capital, mm -hmm. I plan to spend it doing X. A lot of people think that money just magically is going to come and solve your problems, right? Your company's at a certain stage. Well, if I just had, insert random number that sounds large here, $500,000, a million dollars, $5 million, my company would definitely be successful. But in reality, and this is the situation that I was in, right. when I first started pitching, mm -hmm. we, were, we were told by the organizer of the pitch that, hey, you guys, you know, I know you're just pitching for practice, but you have to say how much you want to raise and you have to say the terms of your deal. How much is your company worth? How much do you want to raise? So we picked a totally random number. We were like, oh, we're raising $250,000. That seems like a lot of money to us. Okay. So we said we're raising two fifty. One of the investors <laughs> at the, in the Q&A session asked us, what are you guys going to spend that $250,000 on? And we were like, uh, marketing, right? Which is the common answer. Right. We assume that if you spend money getting people to come to look at whatever you have to sell, then obviously you should make more money, right? That right. seems like a standard formula for making a business succeed, mm -hmm. except it's not, right? That doesn't actually work. What we found out that was that over the next six months or so, when we were doing that kind of getting up to speed and really being ready to raise capital, right. working through this checklist, you uh -huh. know, or what is what is now the checklist. Uh -huh. If we had raised that $250,000 at that time, we literally would have spent it on marketing. Instead of figuring out our own basically cash flow free way, overhead free way of getting users to come to Future Stay and sign up for free. Uh -huh. So we would not have even created the unique value that we have as a company. We would have wasted money paying for something that we figured out how to do at no cost. And we probably would not be here today. So spending money, raising money on to, to figure out what to do uh -huh. is probably the worst thing that you can do for your business. Even if you are somehow able to raise it, yeah, you will likely kill your business because you're just basically throwing darts at the wall to see what sticks. Now, what happened when you were posed that question from the investor? What happened? Did you actually get that 250? No, no. Okay. And, I, and I'm, <laughs> I'm very happy that, I, that we did not because, on, okay. as I said, we literally would have just started spending it on marketing. Mm -hmm. that's, the, you know, that's the first problem that most people think when they, how do you grow your business? Well, I just need more people to come see it. I just need some resources so that I can pay for more exposure for my business. Mm -hmm. And you'll, you'll hear that all the time. I want some exposure. Yeah. Right? I want yeah, some press. Lot, I right? want some. You hear everyone says that. Exposure does not solve your problems. And there are usually free ways to get exposure if you have enough hustle. Mm. If you are working hard enough, you will get free exposure. 
If you need to pay for expo- exposure before you've raised a single cent, check under the hood. That's that exactly. Right. You probably you're not checking that box, and the investor will look at you and say, "This guy's not hustling." Right. Yeah. And he's definitely not going to invest. Okay, so we're at P, right? So now, what's next? What's the last thing? So last, the last letter is S and helps, mm-hmm. right? Which is skills. This one is really simple. It kind of goes back to the technical co-founder, but it's more of a holistic view on it. Mm-hmm. My team has the following skills needed to grow this company, right? I have all the skills that are needed to grow the company. So that means when I look at my my group, my arsenal, what do I have in my tool belt? If I have, if I don't have someone that's in sales, if I don't have someone that has a marketing or biz dev background, mm-hmm. if I don't have someone, and this is the most expen- the most important, more so even than technical, if I don't have anyone with any domain expertise, mm-hmm. right? What what exactly am I doing here? That's important because sometimes people will identify the quote unquote market because it looks like right. a good market, but don't know anything about it. So it's really important to bring that, that right. person so you, who knows about. We're going back to coffee tables because you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have somebody who's an expert in coffee tables, essentially. Right. And, okay. and honestly, you don't necessarily need a coffee table expert to be on your founding team, what probably would happen in this particular case, let's say, for example, this hypothetical person is getting into this coffee table industry because they see something, they see a clear lack mm-hmm. that is that the regular industry, the traditional industry, these guys are missing, right? right. So they're coming in to create a disruptive, uh, a disruptive player in the coffee table industry. They may not have, they may not have a, a carpenter or someone from a big furniture company like IKEA on their team. But what they should do, and this is exactly what we did, is we you find someone like that as an advisor. Mm-hmm. You find someone who has a traditional perspective so that you know this is going to be, hopefully, this is someone that you're going to argue with. This is someone that you're going to debate with. You're going to be able to refine all those ideas, and they're going to tell you what it looks like inside the machine. And you're going to say, no, I'm going to come from the left side or the right side and and get that pushback to the point where you guys can actually figure out something that really might work. Right, right, yeah. right. So you don't want to be inside the system. You just want to, you want to know what it looks like in there. Right, right. Yeah. Don't want to be in the matrix. Okay. Yeah. So talk to me about that first time you raised money. And so what was that amount, first of all? So the, Do you remember? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> of course I remember, right? So the, um, so the first time that we raised capital was, the first yes that we got was at the New York Angels. Um, and... We were, you know, just like I think pretty much everyone is, we were incredibly nervous. We were pitching to a room of probably about 50 to 75 really, you know, accredited, very, very active investors in New York. And what we did was we practiced the heck out of it. We had already prepared by this point in time. We had a couple of minor yeses that even got us into that room because that's the way it worked. You have a couple of small yeses where you're pitching to individual angels who say, yeah, I'm interested. I'm going to agree to lead this deal, right? They then bring you into the fold, you pitch to the whole group of angels, and you can feel it when it works. You can really feel it when it works. Um, we were prepared because we had literally six months of no's under our belt. So, And that doesn't mean that you, you change your tune every time you hear a no. It just means you understand that someone that has done this before, someone that's very intelligent, that has business acumen, that has experience growing a company in many cases, is seeing a red flag that you may not have seen. So right. you need to go back and make sure that you have that covered in some way. Okay. that That's actually a good point. So for the founder who is at that sixth or seventh or eighth or 100th no, yep. I mean, what kept you motivated? We knew we could do it because we knew my co-founder and I are people that are incredibly determined. We're hard workers. Mm-hmm. So we knew that as long as people kept giving us constructive uh, critique and feedback, 
we had something that had value and we were willing to do anything, anything that it took to make it work. So we just kept pushing through and we knew we'd get to the other end of that tunnel yeah. at some point in time. And that feedback is important because have you ever, you know, seen a company or heard of companies who get that no and they're told to kind of stop and they don't? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. It's, so normally, let, let me just also make it clear, right? So we're talking about pitching to accredited investors. We're talking about yeah. pitcher, pitching to professional angels. Professional angels are not going to, this is their, this is what they consider doing their it's like a, their, their hobby or their job. This isn't someone who just happens to have a couple bucks, right? They're passionate about doing this and investing and helping companies grow. Mm -hmm. They're not going to tell you, hey kid, no, you should just quit unless you're, unless you're in a position where you really, there's a lot of risk in what you're doing and you really don't understand all the ramifications. Mm -hmm. So you're not gonna get people that are trying to outright just shut you down normally. Um, having said that, I have definitely seen companies, just personally, I'm not an investor, but sometimes, uh, some investors that I that have participated in my investing uh, at my company will send a deal to me to review, or they'll send someone along that maybe that maybe I can pass it along to another investor. I've seen companies that I've had conversations with founders where I say, "Hey, listen, I think you're really missing a couple of things from your checklist. I think you really need to go back and review, you know, maybe the way that you're approaching this market, or the fact that you have a gaping hole on your team. Like, there's no one on your team that has any technical experience. There's a huge risk here." And in a lot of cases, or I shouldn't say a lot, but in some cases, just having a conversation with another founder and getting that constructive critique from someone that is really not vested. I don't get anything if they get funded or not. I don't get a cent, right? So having that conversation with a peer that has maybe just done one step that they haven't done yet is really helpful. That's one thing I would really strongly suggest to anyone that's trying to raise capital. Talk to other people that have successfully raised capital. And I don't mean go talk to someone who has like, you know, billion dollar exits under their belt. Those guys have had a number of different successes and challenges and mm -hmm. stages of that, that really, you know, isolate them from their, the early challenges. I'm talking about some, talk to someone who's six months ahead of you. Talk to someone who's three months ahead of you. And, you know, you'll be able to glean some knowledge that they may, they may have gone through the hard way a lot of times. Okay. Yeah. So just to close it out, give me one piece of advice you wish you would have had, let's say, five years ago before you were became a serial investor or serial entrepreneur, I should say. Um, look at me talking it to your future. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, what would that one piece of advice be that you'd give your five years ago? That's a great question. Stuff. I think that five years ago, if I could talk to five years ago, Phil, I would tell five years ago, Phil, start Future Stay now and work as hard as you can every day trying to grow the company. Mm. Don't make it a part-time thing. Don't make it a nights and weekend thing. The faster you dive in, the faster you, people like to say fail fast, but the faster you get that constructive criticism, good or bad or whatever the case is, the faster you can get to real success with your business. Yeah, don't have acid. Yeah, right. exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your feedback. This checklist definitely helps. Um, I'm, I'm motivated to go start a company, a table company. Let's go, let's go do I'm it. I might co-found that with you. We should do it. We should figure it out. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you can stay up to date on new episodes featuring more insiders. Have any questions? Leave us a comment on this episode at bccheatsheet.com or you can tweet us at the Cued. that's T-H-E-C-U-E-E-D. Until next time, be great and it's a wrap.